0: When the leaves turn brown, they come a tumbling down. Remember, oh, it's autumn. There is a chill in the air, and a chill in our podcast coffers. If you like Crisis Twin, consider donating a small monthly surcharge to the podcast. That will help support the operating costs and just in general, good vibes of this enterprise. It's completely optional and you can donate as much or as little as you want. But much like Melissa Leo once said, consider, stay warm. Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic favor, just something that needs to be urgently discussed, or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Though joining me today is fellow twink, dear friend, returning fan fan. Favorite and entertainment industry professional Will Sandercock.
1: Hi, Hi. Ah. You call me skinny. skinny. Ah. <laughs> uh, I'm you know, so happy to be back.
0: I'm so happy you're here, and especially on television's biggest night too. <laughs> 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 Have you watched any of it?
1: We're uh, recording I this haven't. in The Emmys. I haven't. I just checked, like the internet and saw that Jennifer Coolidge won. She won the like <sighs> Emmy off in yeah. for the White Lotus. So I'm I'm happy about that.
0: Thank fucking God. Yeah.
1: Like she
0: I just I love her so much in like every comedy that like is near and dear to me she has a prominent role in and I'm just happy she's getting her flowers for such a good role.
1: Yeah, and like something that keeps coming up in a lot of interviews with her that's really bumming me out is she talks about how like insecure she's been her yeah. whole life. And if she really felt like she was like kind of just like thrown to the wayside in recent years and like no one knew what to do with her and she's really getting down on herself. So like this role I'm hoping leads us to like a couleage and we get her everywhere. <laughs>
0: I, th- I mean, I know we're getting White Lotus season two and I th- I believe yeah, she's, three or four she, weeks and she's back. Thank yeah, God. Yeah, she's
1: the only one who made it to the second season. And I was reading- I, I would love like 10 seasons of that show with just her and each single one. <laughs> because she's such a good anchor. And it's, I was like a little worried
0: when they announced that she was coming back that the show wasn't gonna- you know, it was just going to repeat the same beats. But yeah, I read Vulture's season two kind of showcase, like, teaser article that Jackson, Jackson McHenry did a few weeks ago. And it seems like this season is going to be more of, like, a sex farce. But, like, with some, like, class elements to it, too. But not the same, like, colonial themes as the first one. And Jennifer Coolidge's plot line is going to be her getting adopted by a bunch of gay guys on vacation who are like, we're obsessed with you. And it's this like metatextual narrative about like how (laughs) gay guys like take these like middle-aged divas and sort of like suck the life out of them.
1: Oh my god, that is beyond my wildest dreams. Mike White <laughs> is a fucking genius. I just he I is think, a genius.
0: We actually haven't talked about White Lotus on this podcast, if you can believe it. Too, like I really? had the time of my life with season one. It's a show I think about
1: constantly, and it just it it had um by the end of it when you know with the themes of colonialism and everything. At it by the end of it, it just—it's one of those TV shows you're like, oh yeah, this has the like density of a novel. Yeah, just keep like ruminating on its like actors and cast and themes and everything and how it like played out.
0: I can't believe he wrote that show in essentially three weeks too. Like, I I mean, it's it's very dense and layered, and I mean, it's not perfect in how it deals with colonialism, but like it's it's imperfect by design and i i don't know like that's just such a it's a it's a very interesting process to be able to like create something so intricate but impactful in that short amount of time and six episodes and not a lot of tv too like
1: yeah i mean i just love that it was literally just like hbo hbo max came to him and was just like hey we need a show that we can shoot during so one location that you can just like quarantine in (laughs) yeah Just like we're able to and because of the like because of covid they were able to get a deal on the like four seasons maui i think it was Mm -hmm. and then just like park their cast there for like three months and just shot the whole thing and they're like oh yeah we know you write fast so like
0: let's hammer it
1: it out And he did it. It was one of the best shows of the year.
0: (laughs) And he has such like a nice, pleasant industry reputation too. That like all these people are chomping at the bit to work with him. So Mm -hmm. I just, I like that he, he's not going for these big, big stars either. It's all these character actors who are, I mean, a lot of them are doing like the best work of their career. And I think the only like mega superstar that's going to come out of that show is Sydney Sweeney, but okay, I this is an unpopular take though. I think Jennifer Coolidge deserves the Emmy. I do not think she gave the best performance on that show out of that I, I, category specifically
1: because Murray Bartlett I, also won i I just love her so much. I'm willing to overlook everyone else. but yeah, like in terms of like performances, you know, there are other I feel like there are other characters like actresses maybe like working a little bit harder yeah but that role (laughs) was just so good it's so good fun to watch i mean every it was just everyone was so good in that show it just jennifer was just like a delight the whole time
0: but like she gets to do the pathos too like you don't really see that in a lot of her other work and but she is she's still making it like sort of comedic like i think about that scene on the boat when she's scattering her mother's ashes (laughs) And that half of that monologue apparently was improvised. And it's so hard to, well, I mean, it's just so hard to be funny on camera in the first place, much less improvise and also have it be like deeply sad while coming up. Like you're creating like emotions and words on the spot. It's, it's, it's immensely talented. It, like takes a lot of talent to do that
1: so so apparently she was uh she's very prone to seasickness. hmm so she was just begging to be like hey can we please film this anywhere else besides the boat mm-hmm. and he was just like it really needs to be on the boat for just <laughs> all the work and she's like okay fine I'll do it but like I'm going to be puking my guts out the whole time and he's like okay well we'll make it work don't worry yeah and she did end up puking her guts out like the entire time <laughs> and she was like it's okay I have to do it I have to do it for him and it ended up being one of like the funniest scenes and I think ultimately is worth it in the end but yeah she like, was just like yeah I am so close to that whole cast because I they saw me just puking my guts out for like half a day on this boat while we filmed that sequence or however long they were filming it for
0: <laughs> Mike White doing like a soft Kubrick on her, like his I his mean, version of Shelley Duvall I like, mean
1: I don't in think a he, mud- I'm not sure he realized how bad like how serious she was yeah. that she was going to get really seasick and then she was just like I know I have to like he's like a genius and he is like what he wants will be the correct thing we should do so I'll do it for him but she was just like yeah I just was puking off the side of the boat and everywhere like the whole time and, yeah
0: uh, what we do for art like i i don't yeah. i'm just i'm yeah. so excited for season two like i'm usually i'm like i i think i'm just conditioned to expect a sophomore of sophomore slump at this point especially with these mini series that get extended out into full tv shows but the anthology adjacent nature of the White Lotus I think will make it a little bit more palatable yeah. and the cast yeah. is so I'm so excited for Aubrey Plaza to get like a really meaty tv role because she it's, does movie stuff but no
1: one watches those movies no yeah. offense to Aubrey Plaza she's great but <laughs> yeah it's gonna be great I mean it's gonna be at least like there'll be if it's not good there'll at least be some just incredible performances from actors and actresses we love yeah so, It'll be fun.
0: Very excited for it. Um, we do need to move on to our first segment. Oh, I mean, one if people did not watch um Cheryl Lee Ralph's acceptance speech for Abbott yeah. Elementary, go watch that because <laughs> that was really great. Also, great show. Um, okay, we have to play first segment. We are going to play ring the alarm. So, Will, I'm going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history. and you're going to decide whether or not to ring the alarm no wrong answers here but your choice is binary (laughs) are you ringing the alarm or not okay first scenario uh people are critiquing disney's live action little mermaid for not looking realistically underwater are you ringing the alarm
1: you know uh i'm not gonna ring the alarm okay only because i i people get so upset over these disney live action remakes over and over and over again and they always fuck it up not to be rude to disney and disney animation but like remember the live action lion king
0: yeah i didn't actually see it but i saw enough clips that i was like i know
1: this is not for me yeah that's where I was at where I was just like this isn't for me so I have just decided I'm not gonna get upset about it because mermaids aren't real no and (laughs) And a lot of people were
0: clowning this critique and making edits with her swimming around a bunch of like plastic bags and like turtles with like little can holders on its neck or, or like it was so filtered and grainy that like obviously they were underwater but you can't hear when you're underwater so I don't know my note is I wish it were a little brighter but that's also like that makes it look faker I guess so I don't know what what I want
1: I don't know what I want either I just know these these remakes really aren't for me for the most part like I feel like they're really starting to get a little tired um
0: yeah they started tired
1: new, new stuff otherwise they're gonna run out of films to remake (laughs)
0: yeah i mean when i saw that that they were making
1: discussion well
0: i mean they're they're making a um uh i think it's an animated movie about the wishing star like the star in when you wish upon the star that star (laughs) they're making a movie about the star (laughs) like that's crazy that is like yeah, they're like they're gonna be making like a movie about like one of the bricks in the Disney castle
1: at this point. Wait, I mean, you know, let us not forget like Pirates of the Caribbean, like that first movie was great. And that yeah. came from a Disney ride. So maybe we can get something else good. Uh but there's didn't a- really work on other stuff, like you know, what was Tomorrowland? That didn't work. No. The Eddie Murphy haunted mansion that didn't work. Well,
0: they're trying it again though with another haunted mansion.
1: Oh, are they? Yeah,
0: I think Jamie Lee Curtis uh, is in it as like, oh, oh, a ghost. <laughs> I just assumed oh, that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I, I, I think there's a big difference between making a movie out of an amusement bride versus a movie out of a literal dot in a logo.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. You, you know, we'll see. I just I forget which Disney family heir it was is one of like Walt Disney's like great grandchildren. Mm-hmm. But she's like a very active, outspoken like Disney shareholder. Oh, Abigail, yeah. Yeah. And she was like, listen, you're just cutting the salami thinner and thinner every year. Like you announce all these projects, and you're not like creating a new salami. You're just like cutting your properties oh. and, thinner and thinner and i'm like "Ooh, that's like a really good diss <laughs> that
0: is a really good diss and like but... she's very outspoken about um a lot of like social issues and like labor issues that surround the parks and that mm. sort of thing like yeah. i think she's still getting bankrolled by the family so like oh i'm sure yeah <laughs> You know, thanks for that. Thanks for your input, but I mean, it is—it's good that someone's saying something because I don't, you know, a live-action Little Mermaid sounds more reasonable than like doing a live-action Lion King, especially if you're gonna insist on doing it all CGI and no practical effects. Like, you can't do that with lions because lions don't talk and sing Elton John songs. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you put Halle Berry in a tail and make her sit on a rock, that's at least a little bit more naturalized set dressing than what you're going to get otherwise.
1: Yeah. yeah. And she sounds great. Yeah. I mean, ultimately we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, Um, There's always stuff with these things that you, I always end up questioning some of their decisions they make. Like I start going like full filmmaker on it and just start Mm -hmm. questioning about like, lighting how that affects like how the actors can emote and just gets like really i get way too deep in it and have a lot of questions but ultimately you can't really judge it until you see the whole film yeah so
0: cautiously optimistic but also like people need to get the fuck over cgi like it it's always gonna look a little bit shitty and the sooner we reckon with that
1: yeah we'll sleep easier yeah, yeah. That's a whole other conversation. That's a I whole other a full, conversation. I could do a full TED talk about that, but that's for another time. <laughs> okay Speaking of TED talks and just inspirational
0: people, Meghan Markle reveals she is getting back on Instagram.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Are you ringing the alarm? Uh, sure. Yeah, yes. You know what? I I think. Meghan Markle deserves another go of it. I like she was just treated so badly by everyone, especially the British press. And I don't know. I've I've seen given the queen's death and a lot of the discourse about like, what's the future of the monarchy. um, There was this one clip that was going around of this girl that CNN was interviewing outside a pub, like the day after she died. Mm -hmm. and I think she she mentioned basically that like hey there's like we're like a multi like racial democracy in the UK now and the monarchy's entirely white yeah and the only person that was like the least bit not white was Meghan Markle and they pushed her out
0: yeah I was shocked to see that she was not invited to bow moral for the bedside goodbyes i guess i don't know i mean that queen was not alive like i mean like whatever i i'm not i'm not i'm not not a conspiracy truther (laughs) or whatever but i mean like r.i.p dizzy but like i that that queen wouldn't have cared whether megan was there or not like i'm sure it's charles just being a a
1: wang as per usual yeah it's gonna be a a rough decade or so with charles decade or so that's a You don't uh, think okay. he's
0: gonna rule it for seventy years?
1: <laughs> well, okay. I'm just saying. Look at this recent. Look at the the history of the the family recently. Yeah, we got there in between. Uh, Queen Victoria and Queen Elizabeth. Within there was there was about forty five fifty years in between their mm-hmm. two reigns, both of which lasted like seventy years, give or take. We had they had four kings. <laughs> yeah four kings one after the other after the other and they just kept dying and then one abdicated and then the next one died again like i don't know what it is in that in that genealogy but like the men just don't seem to last but the women just go on forever (laughs) yeah
0: like and they kept showing a close-up of charles's hands this week and i was like damn like the sodium he is just eating like fistfuls of smoked salmon or something because i truly do not know how you get that bloated otherwise
1: I almost like I've been seeing that photo too and I've been meaning to like google it to make sure that it's absolutely 100% real because I just couldn't believe
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: like he has like a ring on and it just looks like how did he get that ring on in the first it's, place
0: it's been on it's soldered on like.
1: and you know like I'm sorry to Charles but I just don't personally don't see his reign lasting all that long but
0: Megan uh, and Harry definitely have the right idea by moving to LA like yes it is annoying um i i megan markle got a raw deal and i'm trying to pick my words wisely because she she is a victim in all of this and also a fellow spotify bankroll podcaster (laughs) with me now so welcome to the family (laughs) sis but i um i I do find that she is an actor at heart, a grifter, like an influencer. Like she, she is devoted to the hustle. And like that obviously is not compatible with the Royal lifestyle. Yeah. And it's good that she got out. Am I a little disappointed that she is now doing a podcast with Mariah Carey? Somewhat. I don't know what else she'd be doing like am I disappointed that she has a Netflix deal somewhat but like I I don't know how else you parlay this like I'm sure if Diana were with us R.I.P. Diva like she would be doing a podcast too she would be on RuPaul's Drag Race UK season four in the first episode as like a
1: absolutely she wouldn't be there on set but she would send in like a, tele- a pre-tape message for the queen oh no she would be a guest judge she would 100% be a guest judge do you think yes I would like I would I mean this is an alternate timeline
0: but I really would would have liked to see that like listen, Lawrence Cheney is- and Princess Diana <laughs> like-
1: <laughs> no listen there's this story god I forget whose book it was in I need, I should actually have this memorized, but um, there's this one book of someone who was, like, friends with, like, was familiar with her and Freddie Mercury, and was like, oh, yeah, Freddie Mercury, like, snuck her into a gay bar one night with her. Yeah. And everyone thought she was a drag queen. And we uh, just... like, kept... doing Diana cosplay? Yes. Mm-hmm. She and should have like... done that. And we just had, like, the best night, and everyone was just, like, super fun, and I'm like, oh, yeah, D- Diana was, like, a friend of the gays, and like and if you watch wouldn't the be there every weekend but she knew she would know that she can she could sustain her career yeah with the days as like her fan base at least part of it
0: and if you watch the crown she's like always just dancing to pop music in her room like She's just like me. <laughs> like she should. Like I mean, if she had lived, she should have gone on Drag Race UK and done what Gaga did in season nine, and just like entered the workroom as like a Gaga <laughs> impersonator. Like that would have been perfection.
1: Yeah, and it would have yeah. been. We've all would have been gagged. Completely.
0: Oh, we we would have lived and <laughs> <nine>. died. <laughs> And um, we wouldn't have had to deal with Candle and the Wind 97, which I think is like the best timeline for all involved. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last uh, scenario James Charles rents out the loo for a day.
1: <laughs>
0: my favorite news story of the week. R.I.P. to the Queen, but like this was my
1: favorite news story of the week. This was just the most insane pop culture week. There yeah. Just- so much <laughs> I, know,
0: I had a really tough time winnowing down
1: three things to do for this because like like you didn't even touch on like leah michelle's like actually being good well we okay
0: guess what we knew she was gonna be good I there know, was no did. way she wasn't gonna absolutely tear it crazy eat no crumbs but shit like, on the stage and mop it up as Not awkward. only was she
1: good, then she got COVID two days later <laughs> and has ever her understudy take over. I mean, thank God <laughs> the understudy's good
0: because if they had to go back to, like, a Beanie-ish type person, and I, like, respect Beanie as an actor, yeah. um, they, it would have been a disaster. But yeah. I'm glad that she got one night of, like, unabashed triumph and she'll go back to it too. But, like, it is funny that she got COVID immediately because God... Yeah. God was like, we can't let this fully be a triumph. <laughs> I bet she got it at the after show.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. Or something. I mean, it's, you know, you get it from everywhere. Yeah. But also, like Spitgate, Venice Film Festival, Spitgate, like that whole thing, too.
0: We talked about that la- on last week's okay, episode. Okay. It, a new angle was revealed to me. That showed that Chris Pine is like looking at his sunglasses or something. like yeah, he was like yep, sitting so on was. his sunglasses.
1: Yeah,
0: I bet he sat on the the um, what are they called? Legs? The glasses when you put them over your ears—they're
1: not legs. What? What is the word for that? Um, God, I don't know. I don't know what you would call that. Like the the heel, no, not heels of the glasses the frames
0: yeah like the frame the fr- yeah. the long part of the frame i think he sat on i bet he sat on them and they he
1: broke he broke yeah <laughs> which <laughs> who among uh, us yeah, who amongst us hasn't broken our sunglasses at i point? i broke
0: two pairs of sunglasses this summer alone <laughs> like yeah from <laughs> sitting on them both times too not responsible of me but this rumpus cannot be contained. <laughs> so, oh, I'm cutting that part. Okay, um, we're gonna take a quick break and then we. Oh wait, no, no, we. I'm sorry, no, we. You didn't answer the question. Speaking oh, of rumpuses, we didn't even talk about James Charles.
1: Ring the alarm. How does he? How did he accomplish that? I need to know. How does? How does one rent? Did he pay to rent out the Louvre? Is the Louvre like getting using this as like a, a trying to appeal to a new generation? <laughs> it's just so i'm just so confused.
0: wait 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 okay the louvre is trying to do youth outreach
1: i don't know is that james it? Charles. i don't know i just want to know how did this come about how did it come know. about
0: i i really don't know i just i find james charles so fascinating um I mean, he he seems like he's done, like, some kind of bad things. But I am just, like, very charmed by him and his his weird, wacky life. I don't know how he has the money to do this. Like, because he that museum was that's empty. My, that's, that's what I want to know. But, like, so- he does live in a $6 million house. Which I'm like, also, like, how did you get that money in the first place? Like, I don't know how any of these makeup people have enough money to, like, Live in that kind of house, or like Jeffrey Star has, like his like yak abattoir in in Wyoming.
1: I mean, I but I wonder that too. I mean, they definitely are making a lot of money, and they de- they make a lot of money through like their brand deals and sponsorships and everything and licensing. But I don't like a six million dollar house is a lot, and yeah. I'm just like very curious about it. He clearly so,
0: has BBO money we did we did he put on a very um a brown halter neck jumpsuit in sort of a a a taffeta shiny taffeta to go to the museum it was it was not exactly like a gallery girl outfit to put it plainly
1: I don't know when he filmed this per se but I saw that and I was like oh that that uh outfit that that get up that Timmy war to Venice. Mm -hmm. oh that's now like the look for like young twinks (laughs) is that what you call
0: james charles
1: i don't know i just uh, i don't that just was the first thing that came to mind and maybe that maybe you're right and that's not correct i feel like Uh, um jeffrey star and
0: james charles both of whom use he him his pronouns and identify as cis males do exist in this very interesting spectrum like a vast four-dimensional spectrum of gender and gender performance that i feel like they're the only precedent i have for something like that is like pete burns also queen of england (laughs) r.i.p um I, I don't know if I would call James Charles a twink. I think I don't know what I would call him.
1: He's singular. He's singular. He is a most singularity. He's unique. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anyone's not, an alien superstar. <laughs> James
1: Charles. Superstar is generous, but uh Well Alien, alien doesn't alien feel nice. <laughs> alien doesn't feel nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> James Charles is like an alien, um, ingenue. Is that does that feel nicer?
1: <laughs> sure, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> he's
0: one of one. Well, he's not one of one because Jeffrey Star is just him, but like fifty. So, um, maybe I'll is cut Jeffree that. Fifty? No, okay. Actually, let's look at. I feel like Jeffrey Star has been around since like Petra, since like Pangea, like reformed. <laughs> Oh, he's only 36. Ooh. Um, oh, that no that I didn't that <laughs> noise. Don't make that noise. <laughs> that, that was like one of the purest utterances of like revulsion I think it I've ever actually, heard on this podcast.
1: To be to be honest, that was my guest. It was somewhere between like 35 and early 40s. Um, I would have maybe said like early 40s. 40s
0: realistically because i feel like he's like perez hilton's age but perez hilton i feel like is like almost 50 now yeah yeah what a weird era of
1: like we let these gay these gay guys just run wild imagine like i just picking a crisis to talk about i i almost decided we needed to talk about just like creators and influencers yeah it's just, like, the world that we're heading towards with them, they're just gaining so much power and clout and within, like, the entertainment industry that it's just, like, I'm simultaneously in awe and respectful of it and also just, like, goddamn terrified because <laughs> I'm just, like, what about, like, other people who, like, just want to be an actor or, like, people who, like, don't need to, you know, make every moment of their life into a piece of content that they can post Uh, but that's a whole other conversation no it 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 definitely is and like
0: i will say this era is very banal in it and like how influencers go about their day like you think of someone like i mean james charles is like more recent i guess but he's been around since like 2013 like Mm -hmm. you think of like someone like jeffrey or Trisha Paytas, who like did not give birth to the reincarnation of the queen this week, like those are outsized kookaloo personalities who are outre and we're doing these very bold, borderline performance art type videos and stunts in ways that people these days are not doing. Like Dixie D'Amelio shaved her head this week in an act of radical punk girl realness or whatever but it was like still very boring and like if trisha had shaved her head back in the day she would have like popped her pussy and like sang like a demi lovato song and then like jumped off the side of a canyon like that's we're not doing that anymore and we're yeah. worse off for it
1: there. Yeah, <laughs> Like the, the Demilios, like i the, they're racking up like millions of views for this mm-hmm. stuff
0: and their show got renewed for season two we talked about it last year um with a friend of the pod julia gray like that first season of that show i only watched a little bit of it but it's dull as dishwater like i it's not like a kardashians kind of thing where like yes it's artificial but there is drama like there's no drama in Demilio's because mm-hmm. no one knows what these people's personalities are Mm -hmm. and i mean that's why it's like refreshing to have someone like addison ray your sworn enemy (laughs) who's both like musically talented and actually has like legitimately like weird family drama right now
1: oh yeah because her her mom's dating what who's that guy young gravy young gravy yes thank you (laughs) I know we can't go to a place of gravy. I'm just I can't do that here. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just uh, my one thought on it was I just have never felt like oh I'm definitely starting to get older, aren't I? Then when I saw that headline, oh Addison Ray's mother like walks down the carpet with young gravy. Mm -hmm. Like this is a word salad. It is a word. One or two things I understand part of it. And, you know, I'm just going to have to get used to that. I guess that's uh, that's what aging is. about. <laughs> Who
0: Weekly was talking about this a few weeks ago and. They said the, something along the lines of like, as we all know, Young Gravy has like a thing for MILFs. And that's kind of when like <laughs> I, I, I just did a slow oh, blackout. You yeah, all know that. You're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, oh, my God. OK, we have to take a quick break and we will be right back and we're back. Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. Will, what are you rushing to the ER today?
1: Um, my emergency, and I never thought I would be a person to uh, get upset about this because I've been a proponent of this for a long time, but I think we have a cultural emergency right now in regards to sampling in pop music and well do okay and what i want to say is i've been a lot sampling i think it can be absolutely miraculous you can take inspiration from tracks of the past different genres decades Mm -hmm. connect the past and remix the future and create a whole new sound and maybe but maybe i'm being a little cynical here but i'm hearing so many new pop like top 40 hits that are just taking a hook from a song from like 5, 10, 15 years ago and instead of like reimagining it into a new song, they're just using that as a base to just grab ears and jump out in the cutthroat world of streaming and radio right now.
0: So before we get started, <laughs> I want to know from you and choose your words carefully
1: is renaissance a part of this critique no it absolutely is not renaissance is not a part of it and i can i can detail exactly why. i don't think it's a part of it please
0: do because i i think it's very art i sampling is like a cheap trick in some ways when it's not done well or super elegantly but i think renaissance
1: is pretty masterful. Renaissance is masterful, and well, first of all, here I made a short, I made like a short list okay. of songs that I had issues with. <laughs> um, one I was gonna, this is the one I noticed. Uh, first off, was with one of Sweetie's songs.
0: All um, of her stuff is, um. I mean, it's like, you know, rap music has a history of sampling. Yeah. But usually it's like older, like soul and funk tracks or house tracks that like get at least yeah. a little bit more artful flip. Like there was a tweet from a few years ago that was like, she's literally doing karaoke over rap hits from 2005.
1: No, that that's exactly what I'm getting at. Like I, you know, rap has always used samples and like you know it was kids who didn't have access to like a whole band they just mm-hmm. had their parents record collection and they would take their parents like like 70s jazz and like funk records take like 10 seconds of it loop it and it would be the funkiest beat you ever heard and they'd create something completely new and it like you know bridge two different generations of music together yeah um, it's so cool and there's like it actually for me personally like it a lot of the samples in rap has led to me getting really into, like, a lot of like disco and like R and B from past decades. Because I always was like, "What did this come from?" This mm-hmm. and go look it up and like discovered all these artists. But just with like Sweetie, it was just like, "This is really seems easy." Yeah. To a degree, like you're kind of just jumping right over and then it's at the top of the charts and you're in a bar and everyone's dancing to it because everyone knows the song that she's sampling. Like, you know, with my type, she's sampling um, Blow the Whistle and everyone mm-hmm. just kind of immediately. Uh, tap In is the one that's Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. Yeah, Tap In.
0: And Tap In is a great song, but They're like, you know what and... else is a great song? Blow the Whistle. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah.
1: I kind of feel like an old man, like yelling at a cloud right now with a cane, mm-hmm. complaining about this because all the songs I'm going to complain about and uses my like exhibits A, B, and C, are all songs that are bops and I listen to often, <laughs> but I just can't shake in my head that I feel like a lot of musicians and producers right now, especially with working within pop music, are really kind of starting to use sampling as a way to take a shortcut to charting or just getting people to recognize uh something and like notice it and just stand out from the pack instead of going taking the time to actively uh write a new hit or write a new hook or try to create something new
0: the the song that really i mean and it's a bop but like big energy by lotto yeah is a huge Mm -hmm. offender of this to me because it is a very like overt flip of fantasy by mariah carey which Mm -hmm. in turn was already like a sampled i i mean borderline just like a straight-up remix of genius of love by tom com Mm -hmm. club like yeah but like these songs don't do enough with the the beat that they're like pilfering or sampling to like yeah it it just feels like a new like karaoke track it's not it's not yeah a good sample is innovative recognizable and flipped in some way like you think about something like summer renaissance where you can Mm. hear i feel love Mm -hmm. at multiple points Mm
1: -hmm. but it starts off like the it starts off like boom 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 boom, and that starts going and you notice the similarity to i feel love yeah and you know like the just the name summer renaissance like as a shout out to donna it took
0: me embarrassingly
1: a full week before i got that by the way If you ever listen listen to that, not to go on a tangent, but the the Four Seasons of Love album by Donna Summer, incredible. Just an absolute delight.
0: Um, I need to go down a deeper dive. I know all
1: the big hits from her, but like not the bag catalog as much. Just just like Chilla Rose, turn on a display, turn on a smoke machine, just like play that whole album, and it's a delight. It's it's so fun. <laughs> I was talking to someone the other
0: day um who had just gone to LA for like a two week long visit. And they went to MacArthur park <laughs> expecting it to be this like big, like Griffith park kind of scenario. And obviously we both, you know, have lived in LA. MacArthur park is nothing of the sort. <laughs> like MacArthur no. park is like uh, two city blocks and a bunch, a bunch of trash. <laughs>
1: like, it it, It actually i mean macarthur park like a lot of you know urban parks has had its like ups and downs over the years Yeah, and it's been in a little bit of a down one for recent years
0: i don't think it's not the kind of place that you're eating cake at all these days much less leaving it out in the rain
1: i i think actually the leaving the cake out in the rain tracks right now for macarthur And the cake has been there for months and no one's picked it up. Yeah. Mm. Um, Sad. But like so with the Donna Summer like I Feel Love like they riff off of it. They do their own version of it and then launch into the sample in it. And then with like Break My Soul that's like another riff off that sample and it's like remixed and done something new. I um, I don't my even think necessarily do something about it. I just think there sometimes needs to be a gap between like a cultural gap between what you're sampling and how you're using it. And so with Saweetie, she's not always getting there. It's still like you could still go out and hear blow the whistle all the time. And yeah. It it's multiple clubs. So you're kind of like, wait, why are we sampling this right now? Like you just play the original and we'd have the it'd have the same effect on a dance floor. That's a really
0: astute point. Like when you're not recontextualizing a sample, like it really loses a lot of the impact. mm -hmm. The "Break My Soul" case is an interesting one because, on first glance, when I saw that she was sampling Robin Essa's "Show Me Love," Mm -hmm. I was like, "Oh, this is very first thought. This is a house sample that we've heard." many times i i mean even this year yeah. like um yeah. used to know me by charlie xcx is a huge you know it's a cute song or whatever but like it's a mm. huge violator to me of the like you've used a really obvious sample and not recontextualized it or done anything with it beyond just the riff yeah. um but i don't think break my soul i i think it's a case of they've they've credited her because they don't want to get sued for yeah. like that gray area between like copying and like not copying because there. I mean that's just been a big thing and like preemptory crediting has been like a big thing in pub- music publishing for the past few years. Like no one wants yeah. a blurred lines part two scenario, which is why like Kalise was, um, yeah, or whatever the Neptunes were credited.
1: Yeah. I mean that's I could go on a whole other rant about everyone getting, you know, songwriting credits to avoid lawsuits. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole other major issue in music and you could speak much more eloquently on that whole issue than I can. I don't know about um, that, but I just there someone this is a bit of a tangent of what we're supposed to be talking about, but someone broke down how many songwriting credits are on um uh Beyonce's Lemonade yeah uh and just not hold up there's like eight different songwriting credits just from like all this other stuff and just like different work people working on it and that's the- a crazy
0: one because the course is like a tweet that's I mean it's a tweet from Ezra Koenig yeah that's based off of a yeah 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 song so like yeah. all those people are credited yeah. for that reason
1: and then diplo produced most of the beat behind it yeah so then he gets something on there for that and then there's the sample that diplo used the beat for which is uh, like orinoco flow right no it's not orinoco flow it's something i can't even remember what it is oh my it's gosh. a really obscure very smart clever rework of it but okay. that artist got a songwriting credit on it too and then at the very end of hold up like when beyonce is like da, 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 got my swagger on yeah and that's a soldier boy. boy yeah so yeah you got a songwriting credit on that too <laughs> and it's just like one single track has like eight songwriters on it it's wild it's wild but that's I mean, whole there are
0: songs on renaissance that are like that too like yeah um I mean, I guess that's just like sampling is that's why it was such like a bootleg art form for so long, because once you do sample something, you have to pay all mm-hmm. yeah. the musicians and songwriters involved with it, which is like yeah. that can be very costly and like cut well, into your splits a lot.
1: Going into my like argument about why this is an emergency, a few years back, there was a Pitchfork article Um that was basically arguing from the perspective of uh, some like musicians and producers telling people to stop using sites like who sampled or like telling their fans to stop trying to identify all the samples in their work because they weren't getting their samples cleared and they were getting sued and getting all these takedown notices, Yeah, <laughs> which I would saw and was like, okay, I get that cause sometimes you make something really cool that's really awesome but uh you think that that you can't find the rights holder or someone like they want to prove it but I was just like why don't you just write something different why don't you just make new music why don't we like try to learn how to play our instruments again well sometimes
0: and... though like the, the sample clearance is like it's a label thing
1: i know that
0: I know, yeah. like but, i'm thinking specifically about yeah. a snafu my former employer that who shall not be named uh, made with Bree runway last year um she released a very good single called hot hot that was initially based off of a uh buster rhymes touch it remix example mm-hmm. a song we both love very much um mm. and they the label just like
1: neglected based to off clear a death it punk sample.
0: right so like it's two <laughs> layers of crediting to begin with yeah and the label just didn't do it at all and then she got a takedown notice for a song that had a music video had been out had been getting pushed to radio for weeks and then she had to like go and re-upload a new version that had like a slightly different beat and it's not the same and it's not good. Yeah. Now she doesn't want to perform it in concerts because she doesn't like it. So like, mm-hmm. that's like, that's not always a, uh, it's not always an artist's fault
1: issue. Like so, labels can be shitty and cheap too. Oh yeah. And I know there's a lot of labels out there that are just, you know, sometimes just sitting on this music and they get a request to like clear a sample and they just are like, oh. okay, well. Pay us this much and you can have it. And the artist is like, I can't afford that. There's no way to make that work. And they're just like,
0: okay, never mind. Mm I guess it's done. Yeah. What were some of the other stuff? What I'm trying to
1: get at though is like, I think sampling is just incredibly clever art and really, really, when it's done well, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But I'm just noticing a lot of like top 40 pop tracks that are just using previous pop hooks that aren't even that old or really even that far of a generational difference. And I'm just like, it's starting to become a thing that's making me feel very cynical about like where we're headed right now. So what are some of the, you know, I love Ava Max as I had my heart. Oh, okay. My number one, like streamed track on Spotify last year. Yeah. But I was just like, okay, here's another one. We're sampling like a touch of class here uh, yeah and they actually they sampled that from a russian house artist so it wasn't even there and anymore.
0: that was it, it was a folk song before that so like <laughs> layers on layers and layers i i wasn't hearing this noise when we were in palm Springs last year and we listened to my head my heart like 25 times in a four day span <laughs>
1: listen i i said it before and i'll say it again i i I feel like an old man yelling at a cloud because i listen to all these songs many times and i'm part of the problem here because i think they're great yeah but i was noticing this like slow drip like every new month there's a new popped like top forty pop track that samples something that's like not even like hey we're taking a 70s song and reworking it it's like a Hey, we're taking literally something from like 20 years ago and doing karaoke over it.
0: Well, 20 years ago, though, isn't that like I know big I know, of a gap in the grand scheme of things? Like, you think about the gap between Genius of Love and Fantasy, I think mm-hmm. that was only nine years.
1: So, um, I was actually let me fact
0: it. check that. Hold on. This Genius of Love is like it's post talking heads no it's 91. 91 okay so it's it's, it's 14 years but that's still not like a crazy gap yeah um the the main like i mean this is just my recency bias like the the sample song that i just added to Poptimism 2022 was i'm good parentheses blue by david Guetta and bebe Rexa, um yes. which yeah. is a <sighs> Weird it got a weird history to being made because it was like a live track that Bebe and David did in 2017 that was just a chorus and then now it went viral on TikTok as a snippet and now it's a full song that has been released yeah. but it is just the chorus of I'm Blue Oba Di Oba Da by Eiffel, Eiffel 65? Uh, that, I always forget the number, 75 um and it's it's not it's cute and catchy and I have run to it several times over the past two weeks. But like,
1: oh actually, no,
0: innovation! Right, it was sixty-five. Oh,
1: was it sixty-five? Yeah. No innovation. Yeah, though. yeah. Exactly. Like I literally was at a friend's bridal shower yesterday, and there was just music playing, and I heard that, and I was like, "Here's another one of these." Yeah. No innovation here. It's just like her singing over another pop song, and. The work that someone else did, and I don't know, it's a great way to cut through the clutter, and everyone immediately knows the song. And I mean, you could argue it's almost you're she's covering it more than sampling it.
0: And it's the first uh-huh. David Guetta and B.B. Rex song that's actually charted in a few years, so it's working. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like I don't really mind the the euro dance flips because all that stuff is so cheesy in the first place that i don't yeah. really another song that we both really like um play by betel mm-hmm. is just essentially a version of meet her at the love parade by dahul with vocals yeah,
1: who's who on earth is like oh she stole that from dahool <laughs> like very few people are out there knowing the history of it <laughs> but
0: i also think there there may be very few people and especially gen z because we're both like pretty we're uh, yeah. similar enough uh, yeah. ages in yeah. a different generation like gen z may not know and probably doesn't know honestly um around the world by a touch of class mm-hmm. i bet they yeah. know eiffel's 65 just because everyone knows that song but like yeah yeah. That still hit that hit their nostalgia button enough that like they recognize and were like more of this. And like the Ava Max song was popular because like they just
1: it's a bob. It's a bob.
0: <laughs> Sometimes it's it's just that easy. Do you have any other songs
1: on your list that are like prime offenders of this? No, I mean it was literally so far my oh another one, and this is less. like a little bit less like worrisome but just another on the trend was um beg for you by charlie and Rena. oh yeah and the chorus interpolates like the cry for you by september yeah which is it's a good song but like it is a good song definitely definitely not as
0: good as the original
1: yeah but it was just another, like, I just keep hearing these songs and I'm like, oh, here we are using this. Here we are using that. And it just keeps piling up. And instead of it being like, hey, we're taking this like sample from a track that's maybe of a different generation or a different genre and like flipping it, doing something a little bit creative with it, we're just literally using it as the base level hook. No. <laughs> in well, the And t- Charlie's <laughs> been getting pretty- paid and everyone's getting the checks for these. So, like, I I don't think it's necessarily this huge pressing issue per se, but I just am getting worried that it's just like a symptom of like a music industry that is just so cutthroat and so cluttered that everyone is like desperately trying to jump over each other right now.
0: And it's just, it's a really easy way for labels to like resuscitate old catalog because like Mm -hmm. when, you know, BB Rexa sings I'm Blue, Daba Deba Da Bye. Another Warner music artist in Eiffel 65 is getting more mm-hmm. publishing and stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. it's just the psych like it just it's a snake eating its own tail, kinda. Charlie's been really guilty of hopping on these like very literal dance flips because we haven't even talked about her Saweetie featuring song out out which is a flip of allure on dance by stromai from last year which is like a very literal recreation of that like it's 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 she she you know she's one of the most innovative pop music artists of all time but she is very guilty of catchy but like sort of creatively bankrupt ideas at the same time
1: yeah and i mean i don't know there's there's such like a fine line with this stuff. I don't even know how to define it per se, because a lot of my favorite music is like been based off entirely off samples. Yeah. And it's so creative and brilliant at times. I think what you you said about context being important is the key to
0: this whole discussion. Because like, if you're like recontextualization
1: is the
0: innovation.
1: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. There's one that blew my mind that I learned about. Just I stumbled across it by pure chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a years long devotee of uh, "Steal My Sunshine" by Len. I think yeah. it is the ultimate summer playlist track. Like it is just perfect to like lower your windows and zoom down the freeway blasting. Mm-hmm. And then the other day I was bored at work, and for some reason I was listening to more and more more. You know that this yeah. track more, more, more. By, yeah, I I always forget who it's by, but I know the one you're talking about. She's like and, a former
0: um porn star, I think.
1: Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah.
0: cool.
1: Well, anyway, like she does her whole song, and it's like gray and boppy, and then after she finishes the chorus, it kind of has a little bit of a breakdown, and then just for like five seconds, you hear the like ding ding that makes mm-hmm. the basis of the Steal My Sunshine track. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, who was listening to this being like, you know what I'm going to take? Like, I'm just going to take this five seconds right here and build a whole new track out of it. I have that type of mind that works that way where you hear something for like two seconds and you're like, hey, I can make something really cool out of this. It's just fascinating to me. I had a moment like that
0: last year with um, Poker Face, actually, because I did not realize that Poker Face sampled... Bony M song, like you know, that Rasputin song that was like all over TikTok,
1: yeah. That she she sampled Bony M for that,
0: yes, but not Rasputin. A song called Ma Baker that is about like a Chicago gangster, but like the Ma 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 is the chorus oh. of Ma Baker, yeah, just like flipped and pitch shifted. And it's cool, it's cool, like she created like a whole new hook for like it's it's the tertiary hook of poker face basically but it's it's really cool
1: i i remember hearing that and i was like blown away by that one but everyone samples boney m for all sorts of stuff uh one of my favorites you know the song barbara streisand by duck sauce yes basically almost their track gotta go home verbatim just like a, a larger drum kick over it
0: i had no i i need to do more with the bonium discography because i really only know rasputin and ma baker
1: they're if you love just like fun disco it's like they're perfect for that Um, It they're also like they're weirdly big on tiktok
0: i think solely because of that one vietnamese guy who does dances in the plaza like group dances (laughs) like um i need to i
1: need to get into it more i cannot believe how big they got on TikTok I yeah. was I felt simultaneously so vindicated because I've been a boney M stan for like a decade now because I just like DJs a lot but occasionally drop their tracks and I was always just obsessed with it and then seeing all these like Gen Z like Zoomers decided like hey the new trend is for me to dance shirtless to Rasputin I was just like in the world like i'm so happy you discovered all of this but i'm also so upset that this music's charting now and we're literally in the height of the pandemic and we can't dance to it at the club i've been waiting for this moment we can't for like eight years we can't <laughs> dance
0: to it and all the royalties are going to this one white german guy <laughs> who, like, who also is the guy behind millie Vanilli.
1: yeah crazy also... that's a, a biopic we need there was another one, they all were, another TikTok trend was, it was guys in locker rooms dancing shirtless to "Um, uh, Forget-Me-Nots by Patrice Rushen. Oh, I saw that one. I love that and song I so was much. Just like, I was like, wait, maybe the world, the reality we're in isn't actually hell, because I feel like I'm being rewarded for something. For yeah. <laughs> like, I can't believe this is the thing. Well, I mean, that's this what... very uh a great sample for Forget-Me-Nots, because uh, Will Smith sampled it for um, uh, Men in, Men in Black. Black, but he a bit tried to like his label tried to like sneak it under Patrice Russian. and like they sent her the tape of it, and we're like, hey, we, we're using this sample. It's this really quick little thing. Sign this contract, and here's like a thousand dollars, and you all be set. And she was like, listened to the track, and was like, wait, this whole song. based off my song yeah you need to pay me more and the labels worked it out and came to an amicable solution
0: (laughs) and she deserves it because forget me nots is a great song and men in black is not as great but like (laughs) still good um okay we do have to move on to our final segment um we are going to play tear the community apart well you know the rules but for those who are new Uh, I have picked two songs and Will is going to tell me which one is better. (laughs) Easy. So, you know, we've talked a lot about house music tonight and you are a house aficionado. One of these songs we have talked about already tonight, but they are two 10 out of 10 house music classic anthems of the 1990s. Somehow. Neither of these songs has been in a uh, tear the community apart yet. So, Will, which song is better? Show Me Love by Robin S. Or 100% Pure Love by
1: Crystal Waters? Ooh. Um, I'm going with Crystal Waters. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I Mm. think I
0: actually agree with you on this, but not because it's
1: necessarily a better song. You know, I... I don't know what to say about like Show Me Love, but it's been sampled so much and made so much that by the time I was like fully introduced to it by being like, hey, this is this track. It was this huge hit. This is what it means. This is why it's important. I had heard it beaten into my head so much that it's just like almost doesn't hit me or cause any just like reaction in me, which I feel terrible saying because it's an iconic song. But Crystal Waters kind of is like dances around. She appears at Pride. She appears for drag queens, but otherwise yeah. she's like kind of like not always present everywhere. Yeah. So when I like her pure love for the first time, I was like, "Oh, this is a Bob."
0: It is it is 100% pure yeah. Bob for sure. That yeah. was that was not that was not intentional. Um it is uh the unofficial anthem of Chicago drag right now too because of Denali's lip sync in season 13 and that resultant like Chicago um, drag montage which now has been overplayed up here but like still (laughs) great song though music video is great too uh,
1: November I'm so excited oh
0: fun she tours a lot like I mean you mentioned the pride parade of it all but like yeah she really does like some cool stuff
1: yeah so i'm hyped
0: maybe we can get a 100 percent pure love sample in something like that would be
1: nice yeah i mean it takes someone doing something clever it's a just audibly there's a lot going on in that song yeah and i feel like it's hard it's a track that's hard to do anything with because she does it so well it's like how can you improve upon it per se that like little like
0: I don't know what instrument makes it like the do 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 You know what I'm talking about? It's like on, it's not wood block or vibraphone, but it's like something kind of like hollow percussive. That would be a cool element to take out. Yeah, I'm not a DJ, so I don't know why I'm like talking my ass would be like, that sounds cool, do that. like someone, like there are more house samples to do than just Robin S. Like people need to, and- And more house samples than um, Maya Jane Cole's, whatever that song is called. Enough. You know what I'm talking about?
1: The like truffle Um, butter sample. uh, I'm not not sure I know it off the top of my head. I don't think
0: I can play it on here because of licensing issues. I'll send it to you. I don't remember what it's called and it's Oh, it's really going to bother me. It's like do 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 you know like swish swish by Katy perry also has it too you know what i'm talking about yeah
1: yeah
0: enough with that we've heard it sour candy also does it too my
1: terror the community in part and also ruin anyone's respect for me i actually kind of like swish swish
0: i mean i i think swish is
1: cute Weirdly enjoyed Katie's Witness era more than uh uh any other of her eras personally. I know no one else agrees with me. (laughs) Um for some reason, like that whole rollout and tracks, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun, but well mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> i really like your taste and i i
0: think it's been really nice to have You're
1: you like, well um, it was
0: great having you here yeah, well no. i i mean like look everyone who listens to this podcast knows like my my witness trauma and it's 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 uh i, I don't think it was a very musically fruitful era for her but i do <laughs> believe i swish swish was like one of the better songs on that album um and if it had a cool music video and not like that Space Jam new oh legacy travel- that was better than the actual full length movie so I guess I shouldn't like really complain all that much but um, she just really has bad instincts.
1: Yeah. 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 Well <laughs> I <don't laughs> okay. Any- I don't want to say anything else as of uh, a- People who I've known who've like worked closely with her, and I don't want to upset anyone who may for, or may not look for this. <laughs> it, we Katy
0: Perry has made some very good songs. Um, she she had a really good Super Bowl halftime show, <laughs> and did. her Vegas show looks so fun, like legitimately so fun. Not the poop and the the, the dancing <laughs> toilet brush, but everything else looks really fun. Okay, let's uh, let's uh wrap this baby up. Uh, Will thank you so much for coming back again like it is to get to talk music with you is one of the great joys of my life and I'm so glad that the listeners get to get a little window
1: (laughs) into happy to be here I love talking about music with you too because you have such an encyclopedic knowledge of all of it that is just unreal i don't and know about such... that
0: that I, my I I, my jane's maya jane coles is like furiously sending like an angry letter being like you need to credit me
1: like this is no, a woman in
0: edm like respect me please
1: Like just the fact that you were like you mentioned lotto with big energy and you weren't like oh yeah this the the fantasy sample you were like oh no yes uh genius to love by tom-tom club well and this is so talking like heads version i'm like how do you know that <laughs> well this is my
0: parents were huge like talking head stands and like tom tom it's just the tom tom club is just the two people in talking heads who aren't david Byrne. so like see so, yeah, i don't even know that oh yeah um, no because they, they like they like split away oh, from him so embarrassing myself yeah you're not embarrassing <laughs> yourself but the more you know little factoid
1: free evening um where can people find you on social media if you would like to be found uh, you can find me on twitter at at will sandercock mm-hmm. um you can also find me this is a new fun one uh on soundcloud uh if you want to somehow like listen to anything. well the one mix i have posted currently uh under laser Manelli. Which is a new DJ name? Oh my Laser god! <laughs>
0: Wait, I didn't even know that about this. Okay. Yeah,
1: doing like a soft rollout, a slow rollout. Okay,
0: well, the, can this is this is definitely like a medium to hard launch here. I'm I'm excited. <laughs> I, we will I will drop the URL uh, in the show notes. Um, you can find me on Twitter at fkpix with a Z and on Instagram at drew haskins with Z Z's uh and follow at crisis twink pod on twitter and instagram also new plug um starting this week um my new spotify live venture with friend of the pod julian gray uh will be populating in this feed as well uh every monday or tuesday Um, So if you cannot tune in live every Monday at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern to listen to us recap girls from the very beginning, uh, it will be available in podcast form the next day. We have some very fun guests coming up. Big guests even. So uh, get jazzed (laughs) for that. Um, But until then, uh, bye, everyone. Like what you just heard? Go to the show notes and whatever podcast app you're listening to this on and click the donation link.